This is the Plant Yourself Podcast. I'm Howard Jacobson of plantyourself.com. So according to our culture, according to science, and according to the National Weight Loss Registry, it's basically impossible to lose weight. Sure, you might put, take off a few pounds here and there, but you'll probably gain it back. And for people who are obese, their metabolisms have been ruined. And according to the journal Obesity, people who were on The Biggest Loser and lost a lot of weight regained it. And it's because their bodies are basically broken. So I got to say, being in contact with maybe a dozen, two dozen people who have lost significant amounts of weight on a whole food plant-based diet, I kind of feel like a Loch Ness monster hunter who's got like this whole album of photos of Nessie, you know, high def, and no one wants to believe me and everyone just says they're photoshopped, or even worse, no one's paying attention. So I'm gonna keep doing this. I'm gonna keep interviewing people who have made these incredible weight loss journeys until somebody else starts paying attention and the world realizes that there is a very straightforward solution to our obesity problem. And today's guest, Heather Goodwin, is another snapshot in that album. So she's fond of saying that she was born at her ideal weight, and that was the last time she ever saw it. In her teens, Heather weighed in the hundreds. In her 20s, she made it to the 200s. In her 30s and 300s. In her 40s, well, you can see where this is going. A few years ago, Heather topped out at 436 pounds on her 5-foot, 2-inch frame. And as she put it, she was rounder than she was tall. And Heather could also see what her destiny would be if she did not find a real solution. And she did not want to experience a 500-pound body in her 50s. So she said goodbye to all the diets and all the pills and all the fats she had tried in the past. She had lost over 40 pounds 20 times and had lost 100 pounds 3 times. So she was not unfamiliar with the concept of yo-yo dieting. She was looking for something more sustainable. So when she adopted a strict whole food plant-based diet under the tutelage of Chef AJ, that's when things started to happen. And I don't want to spoil too much, but she's now in Wonderland, O-N-E, Wonderland, that magical place under 200 pounds. And she doesn't call herself a, an after, she calls herself a, a during story. And it's inspiring, and it's heartbreaking, and ultimately, it's instructional more people knew the story and followed it, they too would have the success that Heather's had. So without further ado, Heather Goodwin, welcome to the Plant Yourself Podcast. Thank you, Howard. I'm so excited to talk to you today. Well, I'm really eager to learn from you about your journey. Um, it was a, it's been a, uh, a long and sometimes hard and brave one, and you're inspiring a lot of people. So um, why don't you start by just telling us like where you've been? Like what, what, uh, okay. what, you know, the, the before part of the journey. Sure. Well, you know, I was one of those people, I was born at my ideal weight of seven pounds and that's <laughs> the last time I ever saw it. <laughs> and so I was a cute chubby baby and an adorable, you know, chubby toddler. And then, well, you get to elementary school and you're no longer, it's no longer cute. I was just, um. I got a new label, which is the fattest girl in school, and I was bullied uh, on pretty constantly, and 
I was lucky enough to live somewhere that it snowed a lot. So I got snowballs thrown at me. I got called all kinds of things. And, and so life was pretty lonely growing up. Um, I would go home after school and um, eat bologna and cheese sandwiches and watch the Brady Bunch and Gilligan's Island until my parents got home <laughs> uh-huh. and just eat um, eat pretty constantly just for comfort and for out of boredom and um, and that you know I didn't have a lot of friends um, so, and then you, you get to high school and it's and it's and it's worse because of course you like you like boys, but they don't necessarily like you back. And, um, so it was pretty, pretty lonely growing up. Um, and, um, so, and then I just got, I got bigger and bigger. (laughs) So I like to say like I was in the hundreds in my teens, I was in the two hundreds in my twenties and the third in my, uh, thirties, I weighed over 300 pounds. And then in my forties, I actually got to my highest weight, which was 436 pounds. And um, luckily, I stopped there, <laughs> right? Because I don't want to be 500 in my in my 50s. Um, but you know, all joking aside, um, with that weight, of course, came a lot of health problems. I took three different medications to control my blood pressure. I had a cholesterol that was over 400. I had um, I had I was pre-diabetic, and I had a lot of problems like with migraines, and really the overwhelming problem that I had was just chronic pain in my knees, in my feet, in my back, and I was just I had a smile on my face, and um, you know everybody would think that I was just a happy. Um, I was a happy fat person, right? Jolly or whatever. But honestly, I was in horrible pain. I couldn't stand for more than five minutes at a time. I don't think I slept really well for 10 years between having sleep apnea and also just the pain. You know, laying in one place for any period of time was really painful. So I'd have to roll around. I always said like a chicken on a rotisserie, you know, and um so that was my life, and I was really worried that that was going to be the end of my story, you know, um, because when you get that big, I'm only five foot two. So if you can picture, just painting a picture for your um, listeners, I was I'm five foot tall, five foot two, so that's sixty two inches tall. I was ninety inches around my hips and belly, so I was bigger around than I am tall. And I was in near constant pain. I couldn't walk from the bathroom to, you know, from my office to the bathroom would get me out of fa- out of breath, red faced. Um, I had asthma. I mean, I was a mess. Basically, okay. you could sum it up that I was a mess. And so, gotcha. So because before, I was, before we yeah. go on, I want to I want to kind of explore some of these issues because because I don't I you know it's 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 a very foreign set of experiences. To me, so sure. what? Like, what did your parents think? Like, were they, were they, yeah. you know, very very overweight? Like, was were they, you know, concerned, worried, you know, medically, yeah. socially? Like, what, what above and beyond the weight itself? Like, what 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 was going on? Sure. 
So when I was growing up, my parents worked a lot. I'm not um, blaming them at all, but I was alone a lot. And so, you know, and there was, my mom was from the South and was, you know, just a really great cook. And um, the kinds of foods that were in the house were definitely like your standard American diet plus junk food plus convenience food of busy working parents. Um, But they were kind of baffled. My mom didn't really have a weight problem. Um, and my dad <laughs> was my stepdad. He married my mom before I was two years old, but he was the physical director of the YMCA. So he, um, he was a runner and was very physically active, six foot two, 175 pounds, you know, big muscles, model figure. Um, so he was just completely baffled. My sister um, also, you know, battles with her weight, although, you know, not to the extent that I did. Um, and so they wanted to help me, but they didn't really know how. They put me on a diet. I think my first diet was when I was 11 years old. And I think it was, um, you know, this is not just baby fat. This is not going away. She's becoming a teenager and she's still, she's not growing out of it, you know. And so... I remember getting Richard Simmons never say diet and going on a diet with my grandma. And that was the first of every kind of diet. And they, they tried to help me, but they made a mistake that a lot of parents do, which is that you single out the child. So instead of, you know, Hey, we all need to get healthy as a family. We all need to try some new recipes. It was, um, well, if you just wouldn't eat so much of that junk food, you know, it's or we're all going to have uh, ice cream after dinner and you're going to have a banana. Mm. <laughs> and uh. So that didn't work very well. Um, and honestly, you know, I was so sensitive about my weight that if you brought it up, I would run crying to the cookies because it was just so painful um, of a subject for me and I people tried to help me people loved me and accepted me how I was and that was a huge gift but it was um it was really lonely and then you know food has always been a comfort for me so um I found myself a single mom when my kids were really little I was had a two-year-old and a two-month-old and um I was, I had to move back with my parents and um, then I moved out on my own. And so food was something that was cheap. It didn't take a lot of effort and um, I didn't have a lot of money. I didn't have a lot of time. So it was uh, some way that I could kind of have a special treat just for me. Um, but of course, that only lasts until the 10 minutes after you have your treat and then you feel terrible, sometimes physically, but a lot of times, you know, just in anguish. Oh, no, I blew it again. Here I go. I'm never going to get out of this. I just, I felt really helpless to help myself. Mm. So um, at what age were you first um, sort of, medicalized? So I would say, you know, really, um, when I started, when I started having kids is when it really got to the attention of medical Mm -hmm. professionals, because 
I was, um, I was 300 pounds when I had my first daughter and I have two kids. Um, and so of course that puts you into a high risk pregnancy and, um, but, you know, I like to say I'm a repeat offender as far as <laughs> this is this is the third time I have taken off more than 100 pounds. So I've taken off over 100 pounds three times. This is my third time. And I've taken off between 40 and 60 pounds probably 20 times, Howard. I mean, it just – I, whoa, whoa, I whoa. never so, have what? given up. Yeah. You're, you're 46. How, how the hell did you fit all those in? Yeah, thank you. So what happens is that I would try things. I have a lot of determination and I have a lot of willpower, but the things that I was trying, um, I, when you have so much weight to lose, it's like running a marathon. You know, when someone says, um, I lost 20 pounds and it, you know, in six weeks or something like that. Well, I might lose 20 pounds in one, in also in the six weeks, but I still have hundreds of pounds to go. And so what would happen is I'd be doing great and I would just simply lose steam because it was really hard to maintain that level of commitment over such a long period of time. And I'm really not unique in that. Statistically, it's, you know, the more weight you take off, the harder it is to keep it off over the long term. And so, so that's yeah. what would happen is I would do really well, but then it would come back and it would bring friends, unfortunately. Yeah. So what I'm thinking is like if, if I try something three times and I start having success and then it stops, like I'm, I'm not back to where I was. I'm worse because now I've got this little voice in my head that's been strengthened that say this is never going to change. You know, you could you could try uh, all you want. And I'm more like like you've. Like this is like 23 times you've gone through this cycle of hope and disappointment. Why would you ever want to try again? Oh, my gosh. You totally get it. You totally get me. Yes. And that is what I want to tell people. You know, we judge fat people so much. We, it seems like the only acceptable bastion of humor. You know, you would never make fun of somebody anymore with for their race or their sexual orientation or, you know, intellectual disability or something like that. But people feel like it's okay to make fun of fat people when really, you know, when I see a fat person, I see a person in a tremendous amount of pain, both physical and, you know, mental, um, spiritual, because um, it's, it's an anguished life. It's not an easy life. And then exactly what you said, every time, you try and you try so hard and you make progress and you maybe get, you know, social uh, approval and feedback um, for, for taking it off. And then when the weight comes back, it's so disheartening. And the worst tragedy of it is you start to doubt yourself. You know, I started to not believe myself and not, and uh, not believe in myself and just, I actually had a period of time when I thought, you know what, I just guess I'm going to be a fat person and I should learn to be one of these fat and happy, accept yourself people. And, and I actually think that that was a good thing for me because I did decide to love myself now. And, and maybe that's the thing that helped me be successful. Um, so the things 
um, just to kind of cut to the end of the story, so I have taken off 238 pounds. I am still um, a during. I'm not an after. I still have a long way to go. I would like to lose a total of, of 300 pounds. Um, so I've I've done about two thirds of a little more than two thirds of where I want to be. But um, how I've done that is by focusing a on focusing more on the behaviors that I need to do to make it happen on a daily basis and not focusing on the outcome so much. And what I mean by that is sometimes we get so obsessed by, you know, I want to be a certain weight and I want to be it by this time frame or, you know, for this wedding or for this reunion or something like that. But the truth is these are the behaviors I need to keep doing for the rest of my life so that this weight stays gone because, um, I've determined in my soul that this is going to be the time <laughs> that I am going to be, you know, I want to be the 1%. I, I was told by a doctor who was uh, encouraging me to have a gastric bypass. And he said, you know, the chances of you taking off that much weight and keeping it off for even two years are less than 1%, you know, and was just really discouraging and that just made me mad, you know, <laughs> it just made me think, all right, so thank you for the challenge, challenge accepted, this is going to be, I'm going to be the gal that does it, and um, and I just find that strength in myself. Um, so when, when, so if, like, tell me, take me on a little tour of some of the things you had tried in the past, where you'd lose 40 to 60 <laughs> pounds, and then you know, because oh you God. say you've got you've got willpower and determination, and you're having success, and yet you fall off. Like, what what were some of those exactly. things, and 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 yeah. why? So I let's see, a, a small tour of the thousand things I've tried. Um, I did. I remember Richard Simmons deal a meal. I did. Um, I was in a weight loss club called Tops, which is take off pounds sensibly. I was uh, I did Weight Watchers more than once. I tried Weight Watchers several times. Um, I became pretty much an expert in nutrition just because I always felt Howard, you know, um, I know what to do. I'm an intelligent person. Why can't I get myself to do what I know to do? You know, and so, so what? Did, what did you know to do in those days? Well, you know, uh, I read Diet for a New America by John Robbins, uh -huh. and I knew that I wanted to follow a plant-based path, um, a compassionate path, a path that was better for the environment, better for myself, um, and just I wanted to live longer and have the good health that plant-based eaters enjoy. Um, so that was something that I determined early on, and then I also, you know, and so I read Dean Ornish's Eat More Way Less, and so I learned about caloric density, and that made a lot of sense to me. Um, all the plant-based doctors, I'm a big fan of all of those pioneers that are going against the big, big pharma and big agriculture and all the processed food manufacturers, and they're truth bringers, they're they're helping us. They're saving our lives. And so I'm a big fan of all those doctors and all their work. Um, and so I knew what I wanted to do. It was just, 
I was stuck in that cycle of addiction. Um, I think that it is no different than being addicted to drugs or alcohol. Um, it's the same problem with a different manifestation, in my opinion. And so I believe that I have a brain that's especially sensitive to sugar and simple carbohydrates, so things like flour. And so now I avoid those things. I eat um, very simply, um, and I avoid sugar, oil, flour, and to the as best I can, salt. Um, salt is actually the harder one for me. And I eat a strictly plant-based diet, so no meat, dairy, eggs, um, none of that. Uh-huh. And those were the things I was addicted to was fast food and a lot of sugar, just an enormous amount of sugar. And so, so help I me help, help me understand. So, you you tried a whole bunch of things that were not plant based, right? The Weight Washers, right. the Tops, Richard Simmons, and when you started discovering the plant based doctors, did things change? Like, what what was the, or, or were you still struggling even with um, John Robbins and and Dean Ornish and and those folks? No. And I would do really well for a long time, and then I would just, it's the typical fall off the wagon, but for me, it wasn't just fall off the wagon, it's like have the wagon roll over you, because (laughs) I would fall back hard. Um, Around that time is when my parents started to get sick, and so I would go through, you know, a period of really stressful times when I thought that they were going to pass away, or um, that just went through a lot of really tough stuff and that would make me go back to comfort food, food I grew up with. And uh, I would feel terrible about it, to be honest with you, because I am such an animal lover. And like I said, I do know the impact on the environment. I do know what it was doing to my own health. Um, I'm not a stupid person. I remember being at the doctor Um, waiting for her to come out, you know, I had got, I had just been to the doctor. So I had the little after visit summary that they give you and I had it in my hand and I pick up the magazine that's in the waiting room. I'm waiting for her to come out. I think she was giving me a prescription for something that you had to have a handwritten prescription for, you know, maybe like a controlled thing. Mm -hmm. And so I'm waiting for her to come out and I have my after visit summary in my hand and I'm flipping through some terrible, you know, how they have terrible magazines at the <laughs> at the doctor's office, something you would never read. And this was, I think, Longevity Journal. So, you know, a real page turner. Um, and I saw this chart that said it was like expect, average life expectancy by BMI. So I look at my paper and I see my BMI and it was 61, which is crazy high. And I look at the paper and it says, uh, I look in the magazine and it says, uh, average life expectancy, 45. Howard, I was like 42 at that time. Mm. I was, I was thinking, oh my gosh. And you had young kids. You know, I did. I had little, I had kids and um, I just feel like you don't, you know, your life is not your own. Your life also belongs to the people who love you. And um, I, we all have to die, but I don't want it to be my fault. <laughs> uh-huh. And I don't want it to be, I don't want 
people to be at my funeral and saying, you know, isn't it a shame that she left us so early and that she couldn't get a handle on her uh, food addiction? You know, she basically, you know, I don't want, I could see that. I could see people saying, yeah, I, she ate herself to death. Yeah, you yeah. know, I, I attended a funeral like that a year ago. And what what struck me is that nobody mentioned the weight at all. It was a, it was in a church, and there was a lot of talk about sort of God's ways being unknown, and it was kind of shocking that that no one was acknowledging the fact that this was yeah. a this was a, a you know essentially a suicide. Yes, and I am a person of very you know great faith. I I. Um, have a very strong spiritual practice and and I'm a Christian and and I believe that God designed us to eat a certain way and when you don't follow the manufacturer's instructions you do not get the optimal results um I definitely know that we were not designed to live on all these pseudo food like products you know that come from the microwave to from the freezer to the microwave um, and we've just we've outsourced our nutrition. We no longer have hardly any part of our own care and keeping. And it's, it's the very stuff that makes us. It's it's our own, you know, the makeup of all of our cells, and it's us. And um, we've abdicated that to companies that care about profits and don't care about health. Um, and because of that, we're suffering, and there are so many people like me, Howard, that just are waiting to die. And they eat because it's the only thing that makes them feel good, and they're stuck in that trap. They're stuck in that trap of eating to feel good and then feeling awful and even more awful and even bigger and even heavier and more pain and then eating to feel better and so on and so on. And it's it's a trap. Um so, but so, so what? I what turn? People can know that they can get out. They can get out. Okay. So, what turned it around for you? When? When was the first time that you felt like this is really working? Something's different here. I have, you know, I'm. Okay. I can see. I can see the light at the end of the tunnel. It was more. I knew that it worked if I could stay on it. Okay. I I knew that because. In 2010, I had actually gone on an all-raw diet, and I took off 140 pounds. And then that's, that's when my parents got really sick. I ended up losing my parents within six months of each other, um, 2013 and 2014. So um, I was doing really well. I had taken off the 140, but I was slowly putting it back on, you know, um, but had you, were you still on an all raw yeah. diet? No, I had slipped. Uh, I was trying, you know, when I, <laughs> it's hard to say I would start out in the morning with my green smoothie and with my big salad and everything. And it's just like, by the end of the day, I might find myself in a, um, in a drive through. It was, it's, it was a fight. It was constantly a fight against, very powerful addiction, you know, uh -huh. it, it almost, it almost killed me. It almost killed me. And it I mean, sounds, so it yeah, it sounds like yeah. that there was a real sort of black and white, like it wasn't like you were eating this diet and you're saying, well, moderation and a little of this, like 
it, it wasn't no. you, you couldn't you couldn't lie to yourself when you were at the window of the drive-through that you were somehow adhering right. right so what was what was that dialogue like in your head because there must have been a part of you saying heather don't do it exactly oh my gosh you know i call i have a name for that part of me that tells me it's okay just this once um go ahead and do it because you already screwed up for the day. So you, you know, you're going to get back on track tomorrow. So you got to get in a, all your treats now, you know, and I call that part of me, my brat. <laughs> right. And uh, I have to stay in, the, uh, that's a lot of what I tell myself is I have to stay in the driver's seat and not let the, the, the brat is not in charge. She cannot be in charge. She, she got a big fat F. She did not do a good job of taking care and keeping of Heather. So um, I, that's a lot of what I think about in a day. And, um, so the things that, yeah, that's what I would, that's what I would be thinking. And I would think I will get back on it tomorrow and, um, it doesn't matter. It's just lies. You tell yourself, it's just lies. You tell yourself and it's the addiction talking, mm-hmm. um, it's a very powerful, Thing. And until you get it out of your system, I swear, it's, uh, to me, it's no different than like cigarettes or I've never been a heroin addict. I've never been an alcoholic, but I imagine it's kind of the same thing until you get that out of your system. For me, it takes about three days of being off of sugar and flour um, to get out of my system till I feel strong, till I feel. And the longer I go. The longer I'm on my path, if I don't mess up, then I almost get to this point that I call bulletproof, where you could wave a chocolate chip cookie under my nose (laughs) and I would be okay. But there's certain things that you have to do to make yourself bulletproof. And I really feel like that's getting your greens. Um, David Avocado Wolf says, get your greens by any means. And I I really think that's true. I... uh, I do green juices and green smoothies and green salads and just lots and lots and lots of veggies. And that's one of the very big secrets to my, to my plan to being able to stay on it is I stay full, but I also make sure that I get those greens because I believe I've heard that there's some research that it actually cuts the cravings for sugar. Um, and it seems to be working for me. Right. Okay. So let's go so back to, let's go back to, it was 2014, you were gaining. You were yeah. you were going back. You'd, uh, you'd given up your all raw yep. diet, and you'd lost both of your parents. And at, at some at some point, well, something sort something. Yet. I hadn't lost them yet. I was uh, working on it. So so what happened was, I was trying again. You know, and my I had moved in with my mom. I was taking care of my mom in the last months of her life, and I was trying. Um, I was slowly gaining it back, but I was fighting it. And she would see me. She would see me making my salads and making my smoothies and trying. It's not like I ever gave up. (laughs) It's just I have just been various levels of success, you know. And so um, my mom said, she pulled me aside and said, this is going to make me cry a little bit, so hang on. (laughs) Um, She said, when I go, I do not want you to fall apart. I want you to take care of this. Promise me. And so I made that promise to my mom. And that has made a huge difference. I promised my mama. That's why this time it's different. Um, it's, it's absolutely different because 
I made that promise, but also I don't want this to be the defining thing about my life. I don't always want to be the girl that walks in that, you know, I'm the fattest woman in the room every single time. And that's my identity. I don't feel like I was born to just live my life in pain. And, you know, I missed out on so much. And I want, I want that life. I feel like I deserve that. I I deserve um, to have that chance to live a life and do things that people take for granted. You know, I walk now, I walk between two and four miles a day, sometimes more, sometimes less. And it's such a joy because I can walk because I can walk. And because, you know, I take my little fluffy white dog out and she's my little I call her my furry personal trainer because she makes Hmm. sure I don't miss a walk and I do it at twice a day. And it's just things people take for granted are amazing to me. The first night I slept all night and I woke up in the morning and I hadn't, you know, had a horrible, exhausting night. (laughs) That was a little miracle for me. And my life is just full of those little miracles now. And, um, I realized that this is a gift that I can only give myself. Nobody was coming to save me. You know, it wasn't going to be another guru or a diet or a, um, it had to be me. I didn't have a doctor that was going to give me a surgery that was going to get me out of this. Um, it just had to be myself. And it's something I have to wake up every single day and give myself that gift again. Hmm. So, so what, what did work? What, what turned it the corner for you? Sure. So I did, um, I found, okay. So I started a YouTube channel in March of 2015 and it was part of that, you know, I've got to make this work. So I thought I'm going to do this in front of everybody. I'm going to, I was 360 pounds at that time. I had taken off some weight, but I, had miles to go, you know, and I thought, I'm going to do this on the internet and it'll make me be accountable and I won't let myself fall backward anymore, you know, and so I did that and um, I was still trying raw food at the time. I was still working on that and one of the viewers of my YouTube channel actually wrote me and said, have you heard of Chef AJ? And I had not heard of Chef AJ, but she sent me a video um, that Chef AJ had put on was called Easy Meals to Make You Thin. And um, so I proceeded to watch every single Chef AJ thing I could find on the Internet. And there was a ton. She did a lot of recipes. She did a lot of um, interviews. And it's resonated with me. Okay. I get it. I'm, I'm a simple carbohydrate addict. I need to, it's not only that I need to be vegan. I need to be an unprocessed vegan, which is what I eat a plant-based diet, but I also, like I said, don't eat sugar, salt or, or oil or flour. And that is what clicked for me. That made all the difference because that gave me the ability to not have my brain be overstimulated by this hyper hyper palatable food. Even, even vegan food can be junk food, you know? And so instead of just focusing on being plant-based, I was focusing on eating a really 
what I would call a simple diet. We eat veggies for breakfast. We eat lots and lots of fruits and veggies during the day. And um, it's, I eat a lot of like sweet potatoes and um, quinoa and regular potatoes, brown rice, but nothing that comes out of a can, a package or a, you know, mm-hmm. container. Right. It's, it's stuff I make in my own kitchen. Yeah. How old, how old are your children now? I have um, awesome kids. I have a 21-year-old who is away at college. He's going to be a CPA. That's my son. And I have a daughter who's 23 who um, actually um, I convinced to move back home. <laughs> uh-huh. she's, she's a grad student, so she's, uh, she's my housemate. And um, they are awesome. They totally support me. They have been my rock and they, they know that you, we don't bring that kind of food that mom can't stay out of. We don't bring it in the house. Um, cause that's another thing that I really want to tell people as a tip, if they're struggling is there's a lot of evidence that controlling your environment is the very best thing that you can do. If you don't want to slip, stay off the ice, right? Um, so don't have anything in your house that doesn't belong in your in your mouth that isn't safe to to have there. Um, if you can't stay out of it, it needs to not be in your house. Mm-hmm. And I really feel strongly about that. I actually even have you know changed locations of my job to get away from <laughs> from different from just being tempted, you know, because it's it's uh it's really hard. It's being a food addict is a lot like being an alcoholic that lives in a bar, you know, because there's temptation on every corner. There's it's everywhere. You see advertisements for you see um, drive-throughs. It's so easy. The stores are loaded with just landmines for my life. You know. Uh huh. And have have I, have you found that it you know it 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 still feels like helplessness, like the temptations are just as strong, or has some <laughs> has has something shifted where you feel like there's some you, you have some internal, um, more internal controls that that maybe obviate the need for for you know micromanaging the external. Sure. So, you know, I think it's just smart to control your environment. I believe the evidence. I believe all the studies that show that the people who um, control their environment really well do the best over time. And so I just think that that's smart and I'm following the research, but yes, what happens when you do go on an unprocessed diet, when you do especially abstain from sugar and from flour, because it's metabolized a lot like sugar and same thing with alcohol. Luckily I never liked alcohol, but uh, when you stay away from those things and other addictive animal products like cheese is notoriously addictive, um, those kinds of things. When you can get those out of your system, something happens where your brain starts to heal. And so um, I believe that someday they're going to find out that people like me have a medical condition, maybe that our brains are a little bit more sensitive to overstimulation by hyperpalatable foods than, than your average person. Because you know, I know people, my son is one, um, every year he likes those, you know, chocolate 
he he likes a little chocolate, so I give him a little chocolate at Christmas, you know, vegan dark uh-huh. chocolate. Uh, he'll he likes it a lot, and he'll eat a piece or two, and then it, I'll go in his room, and I think I just found some a couple weeks ago. <laughs> you know, so it's like there are people that are not affected, like I am affected. You know, and my it's kind of a miracle to me. It's like it's something he really likes, but he he's it's still around all this time later, and he can he can put it down and not think about it again. And my brain doesn't work like that, right? So. Um, but what does happen is that I always say I can stay off sugar as long as I stay off sugar, mm-hmm. because once it gets in your system, it's just it's it's just like you're back where you started. They say when you're um, being on the wagon and you're abstaining from things that you're addicted to, your addiction is over in the corner doing push-ups. Okay, so the addiction continues to progress even while the person is. Um, is having success with their behavior. And so that's what I focus on is things that I can control. And so things that I do are I prepare my food ahead of time. I make sure that I have lots of the food that I can eat and I have zero of the food that I'm not supposed to eat. I stay away from places that are too tempting for me. So you know, I don't, I don't go to restaurants very much. Um, and actually that makes me save a lot of money. So it's a good thing. But, um, if I feel especially vulnerable and I might not even go to a party or something like that, it just depends. I've gotten, so what, that what I is that? Handle those things now. Yeah. What is, uh-huh. what does that feel like when you say I'm feeling especially vulnerable? Does it feel like sort of a physical, like a craving or does yeah. it feel like an emotional yeah. It can be either one. You know, I do look out for emotional triggers. So one of the things that I try to do is stay on an even keel and not let myself get super hungry or if I'm very upset. You know, they say the acronym that they tell you to watch out for is HALT. So it's hungry, angry, um, I forget else, lonely, (laughs) Uh Um, tired or stressed out. And all of those things can be can be triggers that you make you want to comfort yourself with food. I also find that a lot of women struggle with hormonal um, cravings that are very strong and very challenging, and and that seems to be something that you know when I have messed up, I've almost always, if I do the postmortem, <laughs> I realize that yeah, I was having um, a lot of hormonal cravings at that uh-huh. time. Do you still do you still so, mess yeah. up? I do. You know, I am absolutely not perfect. I like to tell people that too, because, you know, um, they'll, I know that there are people that are like, I didn't know about a plant-based diet. And then I found out about a plant-based diet and then I took off 200 pounds and I never put it back on and I am perfect. And I never have, you know, that is not my story. That is not my story. My story is, you know, um, walk 50 steps down the road, stumble, fall, get back up, walk 20 more steps, stumble, fall, get back up. But every time that is the difference, I get back up. I get back on the track. And the other thing that is that you have to get rid of that. There's even a psychologist even have a term for it called the what the hell effect. Uh And the what the hell effect is like, I blew it and I, I didn't intend to eat that cupcake, but I ate that cupcake. Therefore, I am no longer on my diet. Therefore, it is 
open season on any food that I think that I might want. And they just eat their face off for the rest of the day because, you know, we're going to get back on our plan tomorrow, you know. So, so <laughs> what do you, everybody tells themselves. So what do, when, you, when you mess up now with everything you've been through and all yeah. you know, so at, at what point can you stop yourself? Okay, so I have a new technique that I that I that helps me a lot, and it's and it's actually just um, a couple things: trying to stay calm, not trying to feed it with emotional energy, the fact that I've just gotten off track, um, and just get back on track the minute you can. So I I have little things I say to myself like, "Next bite healthy." You know, the very next bite that goes in your mouth needs to be healthy. You need to resume as soon as you possibly can. And um, you need to do whatever you have to do to get the support that you need to to be able to resume. Because sometimes you need to call an accountability partner or you need to go on the internet and watch, you know, listen to Plant Yourself or listen to some of our um, plant-based leaders. I um, <laughs> I make myself listen to a lecture by Dr. Clapper called Sugar, Salt, and Oil that just uh-huh. tells you how horrible it is for your body. You know, it kind of ru- it throws cold water on my addiction. It makes me go, I just can't do that to my body, you know? Uh-huh. <laughs> or I, I think about animals and I think about how much I love them and um, how much I don't want them to be hurt. And I don't want to I don't want to pay someone else to hurt them for me. And um, so there's different things that I can do to kind of cold, throw cold water on the addiction. And the, the biggest favor you can do for yourself when you fall off, and I do think it's a win, you fall off. I mean, I had I, I think that people get when you're rounder than you are tall. I had a very serious addiction. I had an addiction that almost killed me, and I have to think of it as, life or death kind of terms. I am not a moderation girl. I cannot have a little of stuff. Moderation did not work for me. And I know a lot of people that it doesn't work for. Um, and instead I have to, I have to think of it as like safe foods and foods that I, that don't overexcite my brain and keep me calm and keep me happy. Um, on an even keel and that gives me life, you know, and, um, let me experience life without being in pain all the time. So it's a good trade-off. I don't miss the things I choose not to have because I want something so much better, which is, you know, freedom and a life free from pain and um, just so many things that I missed out on that I, that I want to do, that mm-hmm. I want to be around for, you know, people I love that I want to be there for, yeah. and that's more important. Yeah. So, could, I, I'm really curious about the, you know, the falling off and getting right back on. Could we freeze frame mm-hmm. that a little bit for for for, sure. for my benefit? So, when when you Absolutely. when you find yourself eating something that's off the plan, does it does it feel like you sort of just like woke up, like the brat took control and put you to sleep, mm-hmm. or or were, you know, it's like, almost all an impulsive situation so anymore because I because I do keep my home safe you know I keep my house as a a clean environment I if I have something that's off my plan it's almost always that I was confronted with something that I wasn't expecting so 
I walk into the break room and they're having a potluck and it smells insanely great or somebody brought in a birthday cake or, you know, something like that, something that I wasn't expecting. Um, and it just catches me at a moment. Sometimes it's like, it's almost like the brat wants to gobble it down before the, the adult can wake up. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's like, hey, hey, let's hurry and get this before she stops us, you know, um, and run like you stole something. And um, that plays into my childhood. You know, I did a lot of sneaking uh, of food. Um, I remember them being like uh, those butterscotch candies that have the wrapper. Um, and my mom, I was eating a whole bunch of them. And I'm probably five years old at this time, right? My mom puts them on top of the fridge because she sees them just like going to town and eating all these, <laughs> all these things. And I remember like waiting until my parents went to bed and sneaking into the kitchen and climbing up the drawers to the counter to get on top of the fridge. To I mean, so this is really uh, a long-standing pattern, um, which kind of makes me laugh now. But, you know, there's a lot of sneaking and a lot of shame. Um, there's a lot of, like, hiding the wrappers and hoping no one sees you go through the drive through and um, your family thinks you're all being on track and, and they don't realize that you're struggling because you t- – you're too ashamed to reach out for help and things like that. And I know that there's people that are listening to this that are going to be able to relate to what I'm talking about. And I think that that's one thing that shares in common with other kinds of addictions. Um, And so what I say to people is when you do have those moments when you're weak and we all have them, try to shorten the period of time between when you fall off and when you get back simply resume try not to feed it a lot of emotional energy of like guilt and shame and it's you know that's not going to help you you they say energy grows where energy flows so feed what you want to prosper feed the part of you that wants to be healthy feed the part of you that loves you don't you know if if being mean to yourself and calling yourself names and wallowing in shame um, and hating yourself would make you skinny, I would be super skinny. So I'm I'm glad you said that because one of the things that I struggle with in trying to help people is, you know, the, the, it's not just about weight. Like when you talk about obesity, there are sort of sexual politics. There's the, the whole fat shaming thing, and I find myself in a place where um, I understand that, you know, there's a lot of people who are, who are, have struggled with weight for a long time who come to the place of, I just love myself the way I am, you know, fat and beautiful. And at the same time, I hear from every, you know, obese person or formerly obese person that they're, they're actually miserable. And, you know, it occurs to me, like, if you love you, if you say you love yourself, like you would take care of yourself. Like help help me help me kind of understand the tightrope there of, you know, sure. not beating yourself up, but also ha- making expectations of yourself. Sure, you know, for okay, so I have to say that I do believe that there are some people who are happy with their size and they feel like their size works for them and they're they're happy and I, and I'm happy for them. I, I wish, honestly, I could have been that person. 
um, because I would, I, I, that wasn't my experience. There was not a time when I didn't feel bad in my body and mainly physically. Again, you know, I just was in a massive amount of pain. It's a really good thing that I hate narcotics because I could see how people could get addicted to, to pain medicine. It's just physically very painful to be so heavy. And then to not feel good, to not meet what society says is a beautiful woman, you know, to not feel like you're attractive to men and everything. So when I, when I hear of people that have that, that say that they have that acceptance, I think you just must be such a strong, strong person. It doesn't mean that they don't, um, I hear what you say about, you know, if you love yourself, you would take care of yourself. You know, there's another side of it that they're comforting, that food is comfort and that that was kind of my way of making myself feel better. And I didn't know any other way to make myself feel better. So I think that that's some of it. Um, you know, when, when that's worked since we were babies, you know, baby cries, mother nurses a baby, baby feels better. Um, so you start that pattern so young and some of us that becomes our main way of coping with life. Other people might drink or smoke or take drugs or spend too much or have, you know, relationships that give them drama but that was, that was my drug of choice, right? And that was how I comforted myself. And so one of the skills you have to develop to love yourself is how to make yourself feel better without relying on food that is going to kill you, you know? Yeah. Um, I, I almost compare it to breaking up with a bad boyfriend. When I, when I stopped having sad food, I'm like, it's not me. It is you. I need, <laughs> I need to break up with you. Even though you've been my secret lover all these years, I need to break up with you because I love me more. Uh -huh. I love me enough to do, to make that investment in my future. Right. So I'm doing something that's painful now or hard now because I want the outcome later on and and I love myself to invest in my enough to invest in myself so that's what I was saying when I was 436 pounds I had a hard time walking from my desk to the bathroom I forced myself to walk around the block it hurt a lot <laughs> I complained I had huffing and puffing you would think that I had just run a marathon my kids laugh because I just would complain almost the whole time <laughs> because I would be like, ow, ow, this hurts. I hate this. This is horrible. But <laughs> I did it. You know, I did it. I did it kicking and screaming, but I did it. And same thing. I ate kale when I wanted chocolate and I um, steamed veggies when other people were having, you know, fast food crap. And it's like that's something that I did for myself then that I'm so grateful for now. And so I ask people, because it can be so encouraging when you have so much to take off. I think people don't understand what it is. It's like a mental marathon that we're running because it is a mental game of day after day. I love myself enough to do what is required, even though it's hard, even though I miss my coping mechanism, even though 
I'm totally tempted and I'm having physical withdrawal. I love myself enough to do what is required. And so I always ask people, what will you do today that you will thank yourself for tomorrow? Because people say, are you embarrassed of your before picture of your, of your great big pictures? And I'm, I know I am proud of that girl because it was hard and she did it and she tried again and she never gave up. And I'm so thankful to the person that I was that she didn't give up, that I didn't give up because, uh, you know, I'm not there yet, but I'm so much farther down the road. And so if people can just take the long view and love yourself, love yourself enough to do whatever is required to make yourself feel better and, and you're worth it. You know, you need to put yourself on the list so many times, especially moms. Um, we take care of everybody else and we don't, you know, we're so busy that we don't leave enough time to make healthy food or we don't leave enough time to go out for a walk, which is stress relieving and, you know, gives you exercise and makes you feel better and gives you a chance to like meditate and think about what you're grateful for. Um, there's just so many things that we really need. We need it. It's not like, um, it's not being selfish. It's, it's taking care of yourself and putting on your own oxygen mask so that you can put on someone else's. Um, and it's also, you know, we are giving an example of our kids of how to parent, if you think about that. So do you want your kids to be so busy that they don't take care of themselves? Do you want your kids to think that it's okay to always put yourself last and to, comfort yourself with something cheap from a package um, instead of taking the time to build life and health and, and, and do the things that you need to do to take care of yourself. So our kids are always watching. And if you can't do it for yourself, think about who loves you. Think about who would miss you if you were gone. Um, sometimes we just, we, we're so discouraged and so beaten down and we've lived in these bodies that hurt for so long and we're depressed that it is hard to love yourself. So if you can't do it for you, if you can't try again for you, who do you love that you will do it for? Mm. You know, I'm doing it for my kids. I'm doing it to keep that promise to my mom. And now, you know, I'm doing it for me because I wasn't born to live my life in pain. I wasn't born to feel bad about myself and to not have any fun. You know, when I was so large, I couldn't go on an airplane. I couldn't fit in a movie theater. Um, it was hard even getting in and out of cars. Seatbelts didn't fit me. I got tickets because I couldn't wear my seatbelt. I didn't want to be unsafe. I didn't want to not wear my seatbelt. It was just, you know... It, mm. you just feel stuck. You feel like you're a prisoner in a body. And honestly, you built the prison with the fork and the knife and you built the prison yourself and you're the only one who can unbuild it. You're the only one who can let you out. Yeah. I'm curious what lessons your kids have learned from you so far. Cause obviously they were watching for many years when you were, you know, yo-yo dieting and, 
and yeah. being unsuccessful and feeling discouraged and out of control. And now for the last, you know, two, two years almost, uh, you've been on this different yeah. path. Where, what's, what do you think they've learned from, from this whole journey? Well, I hope, well, first of all, I'm super excited because um, both my kids are plant-based feeders and I feel so good about that now because, you know, I had a lot of guilt for the way that I fed them when they were little. You know, I, I fed them a standard American diet when they were little. And um, my daughter actually became a vegetarian when she was five years old. She, um, she just decided on her own that she loved animals and she didn't want to eat them anymore. But she was the vegetarian, not, not vegan. Um, but, you know, she and I thought, oh, this will last two weeks. You know, <laughs> she's five years old. No, she she's kept with it, and she's 23 years old, and she still um, ha- hasn't eaten meat in all that time. She now, because I'm on a plant-based diet and we live in the same home, and I do most of the cooking or pretty much all the, all the cooking, um, she's actually eating uh, all plant-based. So, um, And she's working out, and she's... Um, She's living a really healthy lifestyle, too, so I feel really great about that. My son saw a video on YouTube of Dr. Neil Bernard, and he went from vegetarian to vegan just basically overnight on his own without my influence or anything. Um, and so now I now we're all plant-based eaters, and we're all – so I, I love that they, that they got that from me. I'm, I'm glad that that happened. But the other thing is, um, I feel like they know, um, well, they definitely know that mom has an addiction that's very serious, that's similar to what other people have with other kinds of substances, right? So it's just my substance is simple carbohydrate. Somebody else's might be alcohol. Somebody else's might be drugs, credit cards, you know. I, I know that they understand that, and um I hope that they see, um, I, I really hope that they see that if I fall down a thousand times, I'm going to get up a thousand one times, that you absolutely cannot give up. You cannot give up. And it's, it's, I almost feel like you don't have a right to give up. If you have people that love you and you have challenges that only you can overcome, you owe it to the people that you love to be there for them, to physically be there for them. And I wasn't able to always do everything with my kids when they were little because, you know, I physically couldn't move around very well. And so um, that is something that I I hope that they've learned, that I will never, never, never give up. Right. That's beautiful. Before we go, can I ask you about your current state of health? Sure. So I um, just recently, just like a couple weeks ago, I got under 200 pounds for the first time since I was in my teens. (laughs) And so that feels pretty great. And um, so we call that Wonderland. When you you weigh 100 and something, you're now in Wonderland. (laughs) And so so I recently became a, a proud citizen of Wonderland, and I'm just trying on working on keeping that going. The other thing that happened is um, that I'm very much walking. So I walk 
you know, the, the least I walk is about, I really walk about four miles a day and I do it in two sessions. You know, I walk my dog in the morning and at night and, and things like that. And just things are good. I don't have, um, I'm no longer pre-diabetic. I don't take any medication for anything. And I had took three medicines just for hypertension. Um, my acne went away. My eczema went away. My asthma went away. I don't have sleep apnea anymore. I'm trying to think of all the great things that have changed. But, oh, my cholesterol is under 200. And my doctor says, as I continue to take off weight, that'll continue to go down. Um, so it's, I'm not, I always, you know, that line from that song, I'm not all that I can be, but I'm better than I used to be. And I'm getting better all the time. And so my goal is to uh, get down to 136 pounds, which would be an even 300 pounds off. And at my height, that is just happens to be the highest BMI you can have and still be normal, like not overweight. So 136 pounds at five foot two puts you at the very, very top of normal. Uh-huh. <laughs> so that's where my goal is at this point. And I still have, you know, 60 something pounds to get there. And how, how about, but, how about um, the pain? I'm going to get there. Oh yes. Oh my gosh. I have no pain. It's amazing. That's still, I can't even tell you that's like such a gift. Um, people who have never been in pain all the time just don't realize what it's like to just be able to take that for granted that you can walk and you can step and and it doesn't hurt. And uh, I can sleep through the night and it doesn't hurt and I don't wake up with a migraine and it's just, that's amazing right there. Um, that's worth all of it. Even if I didn't lose, you know, even if I, it hadn't resulted in weight loss, if eating healthfully could help me be free from pain, it would, it would still be worth it. It's worth all of the chocolate brownies and ice cream and racks of ribs and <laughs> everything that I gave up. That right. it's more than a great trade-off for that. Right. Now, I, I came across you because people were, were, were chattering in my Facebook feed about your, your journey, your transformation, and the group, the closed group that you started, right? Butter, the butterfly effect. Can you talk a little bit about that yeah. and, and, you know, sure. how, how you're paying it forward? So I, absolutely. So I have a, um, I have a YouTube channel called The Butterfly Effect plant-based extreme weight loss and so I made the Facebook group as kind of a um, adjunct to that so that we could I could interact more with people that were leaving comments for me on YouTube and so um, that's that's what I um, that's how that came about and it has been really um, awesome to just be able to um, get to know people, you know, off of YouTube. And, and now there are lots of people that have 50 or a hundred or more pounds to take off that are um, in that group. And, and we're all doing it together, you know, and that, that feels really great. We, we can all help each other. We can all keep each other on track and, 
um, I have people in there that have already, you know, done what I'm trying to do that I've already taken off a lot of weight and, um, kept it off and that eat like me. And, um, you know, I, I also am a member of Chef AJ's group, the ultimate weight loss group and people that eat like I do with the simple, um, this, what I call is like a simple unprocessed plant-based diet where we don't eat the sugar, salt, or oil, and we eat lots of veggies um, and lots of starch. I always laugh, and uh, I like to, I delight a little bit, and the little nasty side of me kind of delights in saying, yeah, I, I took off all this weight by eating carbs, lots and lots and lots of carbs. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I eat, you know, <laughs> because carbs have been so vilified, but, you know, it's sugar and flour that are bad for you. It's not potatoes and carrots and celery and broccoli. Yeah. Right. And and in looking over the um, the posts that people put on the page, that it's there, you know, folks are really encouraging each other. And you know, asking Absolutely. questions, answering their own questions. It's almost like you know, you might be the the inspiration and the conductor, but it's become an organic um, self help group or, or or other help. Group. Absolutely, absolutely. We're all, you know, and that is the thing is that we're all sisters and brothers in this journey. There's, it's not like, it's not like I'm the leader or whatever. If anything, it's those people are have been such a huge support to me um since I started my channel I was really scared to start a channel you know to be a YouTuber because you always hear about trolls and about people being horrible to people on the internet and um, I have been so delighted by how much support and love and caring that I have felt um i have yet to have my first troll i hope i hope to not have that experience but um i i feel like it's so worth it um just people are lovely people are wonderful and they're very supportive and when i do have ups and downs you know i'm very human i'm not um perfect and i still struggle sometimes um but my commitment is that i will never 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 give up so you might see me stumble, you might see me struggle, but you won't see me quit. And people have just been like such an integral part of that. When I feel so down, I read my comments and um, or I go to my Facebook group and and people are just amazing. And and then you get strength for the journey. You know, it's it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. It's a it's a lifelong commitment to loving yourself enough to do what hurts now to <laughs> make sure that you have that freedom later, that freedom from the addiction and the freedom from pain and the freedom from debility. You know, I want to live in, I want to be an old person that has a, a very different experience from what I saw my parents go through, which is they worked so hard all their life. They saved their money and then they got sick and then they lost all their money and they ended up losing their freedom. They ended up being, you know, my dad had to be in like a care facility um, and his whole life was in a small room and then in a hospital bed. And that was his whole existence. Um, and it just broke my heart, broke my heart. Um, and that is not 
what I want for myself or for my kids or for other people. I want us all to be like chasing after the grandkids, gallivanting all over the world, seeing things, doing things, making a difference, helping each other, serving humanity. (laughs) You know, that's where I see myself. And um, I know that I'm the investment I'm making now is what's going to make that possible in the future. That's that's beautiful. Um, you know, thank you. And it's it's so helpful, you know, for me as a as a coach, as a professional who helps people get healthy to kind of to hear your story, to learn from you. Um, you know, one one of the gifts I've been given in in my work is that at a certain point I I I develop this superpower that I am, I'm so grateful for. It almost brings me to tears. Whenever I'm out and about and I see someone who's really overweight, I see the heroic person inside, that they are and could be, and I see their, their essential nature. Like, I don't see them as, oh, there's a fat person. Yeah. I can see, like, oh, wow. I, like, like, almost like when you look at someone that you know well and you can see them what they look like at 11 or 12. Or like, yeah. like, I can see that now. Thanks. But it's, you know, it's not like, for me, it's thanks to people like you and Josh Lajani and Tim Kaufman and Eric O'Gray and, you know, all the, all these folks that I've seen as, you know, as they are on their journey towards health and, and happiness and, and joy and authenticity is that now when I look at their photos, I look at everybody, no matter how, how sort yeah. of sick and overweight, and I see the true, you know, authentic, happy human inside of them. And it's uh, it's good because, you know, I, I wasn't always that way. I, I would look at fat people and judge them. Yeah. And I wish I so wish that everybody could have the experience of being seen for who they are, you know, and for them to see themselves who they are, because you're not broken. You know, you're not beyond help. You're not hopeless. I thought I was broken. I thought I was a hopeless case. I thought this was going to be the end of me and this is the end of my story. And the thing is, you just got to try again. You got to do it and fake it until you make it and keep going and just never, never, never give up. And Howard, that's beautiful that you can see people through those eyes. It's really hard for me to not like go up to fat, random, random fat people and give them a big hug and say, I know, I know how hard it is, and I know how hard you tried, and I know yep. <laughs> how, what you're going through, and I know that you're hurting. Um, and you, they it, probably wouldn't like that in the in the line at the store. You know? Yeah, <laughs> I probably have to keep myself from doing that. But you know, people people can hear it from you much easier than from me. Like at the point at which they're ready to step forward, because yeah. like I can have a conceptual understanding and I can be empathetic, but you've been where they are and, and you yeah. know, and that, that's, and, you know, but for, the, but for the grace of God, go I, you know, I mean, I have to, it's a, it's a, it's a forever thing. It's like, I've been where they are, but I'm also, I am where they are. Yeah. You know, uh-huh. I still, I still have to fight the addiction. I still have to make sure that I take care of myself and that I love myself and make a concerted effort to, 
you know, it says it in the Bible, but be a guardian at the portal of your mind. You know, you got to keep your mind in the game. It's a mental game. It's not, it feels physical. It looks physical, but it's all between your ears. You got to keep your head in the game and um, be, just be on guard uh, so that you can maintain what you've achieved and keep, and keep moving forward. And every time you fall down, you just get back up, dust off the the dust and get just keep moving. <laughs> you know? Awesome. Awesome. Well, I hope we can have you back when you reach one thirty six. So we can uh, Oh thank you. We can put a uh, well, put a period at the end of the sentence. Yeah, well I'll definitely uh give you a call. <laughs> In the meantime, you can find me on YouTube, right? <laughs> All right, I'll I'll post you can make I'll, sure that I'm Yeah, I'll post the track. links. I'll post the links to your YouTube group and to the Facebook page and also to Chef AJ. And I'll, I'll see if I can find the uh, Michael Clapper DVD, everything we talked about. I'll put it in the show notes, oh, which will awesome. be uh, plantyourself.com slash 170, 170 for folks who are, who are listening awesome. or who are, don't have the website handy. So Heather Goodwin, thank, thank you. So much. Thank you, you so much. Yep. Thank you so much you. for taking the time today. All right. Have a wonderful day. You too. Take care. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Plant Yourself podcast. Be sure to check out the show notes with links to everything we talked about at plantyourself.com slash 170. If you're new to the show, you can catch up on 169 archived episodes over at plantyourself.com. And while you're there, sign up for the email newsletter. I include links to original articles, and I also share recent Tribe Well TV shows. This week, we had a great show. I had a guest, my your friend Mark Lushton came and talked about lots of spiritual issues related to health and wellness. And it was profound for me. And he, he also came over to our house and gave us a feng shui consultation about our home and garden, which I'll talk about in Garden News in a little while. Thanks, of course, to Plant Yourself podcast patrons Kim Harrison, Lynn McClellan, Anthony Disson, Brittany Porter, Dominic Marrow, Elizabeth Clifton, Barbara Whitney, Tammy Black, Amy Good, Amanda Hatherly, Mary Jane Wheeler, Ellen Kennelly, Melissa Cobb, Rachel Behrens, Christine Nielsen, Tina Scharf, Tina Ahern, Jen Vilkanovsky, David Bizek, The Mysterious Michelle Eck, X, Elspeth Feldman, Victoria Dolomanova, Leah Stoller, and new contributor Alan Christensen for your generous support of the podcast. If you would like to support this show, you can share this and other episodes on social media and via email. You know, it just helps spread the word. You can write a review on iTunes. That helps so much. And you can also become a patron by pledging a one-time amount or an ongoing gift to the podcast over at plantyourself.com. So in garden news, as I mentioned, we're thinking big coming off this feng shui consultation with Mark Lushton, and we've realized that our dream is much more of a large homestead garden than a commercial farm. So we're starting to envision and plan for and take steps to realize that dream, even while it's unfolding. And it's a wonderful discipline to now put forth the joy and energy that we expect to yield once the whole plan comes to fruition. That's all for this week. So as always, be well, my friends.